Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. We're coming at you with a reaction from week one of college football. Try not to get too ahead of ourselves, but we've got a, a one big storyline that we want to unpack regarding Sam Howell and also some of the other quarterbacks uh, out there after getting to see them in action for this first game of the 2021 season. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Alex Gillstrap and Ryan Roberts of RiseAndDraft.com. Go to RiseAndDraft.com for great NFL draft analysis and also the best and most in-depth database on the market before we get to that stuff though folks i just need to quickly tell you about bet online it's that time of year again and all of our eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season as always bet online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this year get all of your updated odds props and contests including the online's biggest half million dollar nfl mega contest and the world's biggest two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open now at bet online head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100 percent welcome bonus take advantage of their opening day super promo and make a bet on the thursday september 9th season opener between the super bowl champion buccaneers and the dallas cowboys if you lose your wager will be refunded up to 25 dollars for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So guys, I think that the the big thing in terms of overreactions, and I, I know Ryan's not super excited to talk about this because I feel like everyone's talking about this, but Sam Howell looks pretty sloppy in the game that they played against Virginia Tech. They lose in a game that I think a lot of people just assumed was going to be an easy walkover game for them. But those that know how hard it is to play in Lane Stadium were well aware that this was not going to just be an easy fight for the Tar Heels. And what we're specifically referencing, Sam Howell, 208 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, and some sloppy throws that go out throughout that performance. It's just very interesting to, to just look at this game, though, because the, the landscape of some of these other guys, I think it became more clear for guys like Carson Strong, that they might belong more in the conversation at the top. And a guy like Sam Howell might have been exposed in an early path that could lead him down a negative road. So I want to hear from you guys first. Let's talk about this the Sam Howell situation. Is it an overreaction to potentially say that he's not as good as I think we all thought, we, or not we did, but as everyone else thought he was? Uh, Joe, did you play at Lane Stadium? You played at Lane Stadium before? I knew you were going to make a comment about that. I'll just ask a question. I'm sorry. It was a good point. Yes, I did. Yeah. I, what, what was that? Enter Sandman was cool? Yeah, it was pretty cool. 
It was definitely surreal. It was weird coming out, and you're like, it feels like it's for you, but it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's really cool. I, I'm sure that's. I mean, that's like a thing I just want to see as a fan. So I can't imagine kind of just being on the side. I recommend line. it. Yeah. Uh, recommend sorry for that quick segue, but I, I know quarterback <laughs> conversation. I mean, I made a comment on it on Twitter while all the games were kind of going on two days ago, and it's, it's obviously a huge talking point. People want to talk about it. So, kind of the quick synopsis for me is it's game one. So, like, let's not overreact too much. It's a single football game. There is other games on the resume. But that being said, these games do matter because it's the most recent film. So, as of right now, like, this is what matters most is this past game. I need to tell people that. Sam Howe, we expected this, right? Like, we talked about it. Like, they lost Yami Brown and Daz Newsom and Javonta Williams and Michael Carter and they're replacing all those guys and Bo Corrales, who's the supposed wide receiver didn't even play in the football game. So we knew that this was going to be tough. And I think that would really highlight it also besides for like, hey, there's going to be some growing pains. I know the Downs kid looked pretty good at wide receiver for UNC, but the offensive line is perhaps most overrated group heading into the 2021 season because I like Joshua Azuda, the one offensive guard, but Jordan Tucker is extremely overrated. Asim Richards is not very good at left tackle. There's, it's just not a good offensive line. And I think when that was what was really highlighted was the fact of like, not only are the, uh, the wide receivers, you know, young and trying to fill it, because I think they'll be okay eventually. I think Downs and Corrales is going to be solid down the road. But the offensive line was a huge struggle for me. And I think that everything for Powell was just a little more difficult. There wasn't as much separation in the passing game. There was a little more pressure than maybe he's usually looking at because the run game wasn't what it usually was. So overreaction to a degree, sure. I don't think Howell's performance was quite as bad as people act like it was. Like I think he made a couple nice throws. It definitely wasn't good. And when you compare it to a guy like Carson Strong, who the game against Cal, and I know kind of one of the headlines you want to talk about, Joe, was like, what's more telling, or what's what 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 is the as far as like what are we putting more stock into? I'm putting more stock into Carson Strong because he faced against a team that is quote unquote superior, beat Cal as a Nevada team. And was fantastic. Had some of the best bucket throws in this in the week. Did fantastic job. When we're comparing against guys like Spencer Rattler, who had a little, had some huge struggles. I mean, I'm sure we we want to. We can go a little more in depth in. And the guy like Sam Howe, Carson Strong was one on top of maybe like a Malik Willis that I feel like took a nice step forward comparative to who we assumed would be at the top when this kind of quarterback carousel has been begun here. Yeah, Ryan, you kind of said it best. We kind of expected this with North Carolina as a team, but Sam Howell specifically. When you lose two potential starting running backs in the NFL by midseason this year as rookies, you lose your two most productive wide receivers in in Diamond Brown, who's in the NFL, as well as Daz Newsome, and your quote unquote your, your your most productive receiver returning from last year, Bo Corrales, like you said, was out of the game. The odds were against them, and, and like you said, a, a big testament to that was the offensive line. But for me, and what I am buying stock into is despite all that's going wrong around him and all the change and turnover, as the season progresses and as the comfort settles in for him with what he has, I want to see him be able to elevate the team because that's what you want out of an NFL quarterback, someone that's going to elevate the talent around you. So. Also, with, with Sam Howell, the big thing, if you're going to be a top 10 pick at quarterback, if you're going to be a first-round quarterback, something's got to stand out about you. And we talked about this during summer scouting. For Sam Howell, it's not the physical traits. He's, he's what, six foot? He's not very tall. Um, 
He doesn't have the strongest arm in the class. There's nothing physically that stands out to him. So what he needs to do is take care of the football, one, and like like I said before, elevate, make make throws with anticipation, and make the team around him better. And we didn't see that in week one, but that was kind of to be expected. It was supposed to be a slow start. I thought North Carolina coming into this year was kind of overrated as a team, being a top-10 team. They just don't have enough talent around the quarterback position as it currently stands. Um, but as the season progresses, like I said, I just want to see him kind of elevate those around him a little bit more and make more sound decisions. That one, I know he's trying to make a play and that little, he's getting spun around for the sack and just throwing it up, throwing up a prayer through the interception. Like I understand, like you feel like you're on an Island by yourself trying to make all the plays and, and it can seem like that at times, especially with the offensive line and the, the poor play that they had in week one, but he's got to be able to hone that in and make sound decisions because the NFL is going to be looking for that. If, if they're looking for physical traits, they're not looking at Sam Howell. They're looking at Carson Strong. They're looking at Malik Willis. They're looking at Spencer Rattler. So your calling card is making sound decisions and keeping a, keeping an offense in, in phase and in playing with timing and such like that. So Sam Howell's really got to work on uh, as the season progresses, as the comfort, like I said, settles in with the, with the crowds. I know that's an underrated factor. You talked about Virginia Tech and how hard it is to play there uh, at full capacity like they were. But just got to be able to settle in. But I'm with you. I'm buying more stock. Right now in Carson Strong. Uh, Carson Strong, like you said, probably had two of the top three throws of the weekend by himself. Uh, this guy was just layering the football all over the field, left sideline, right sideline. He was all over the place. Uh, looked comfortable against a Cal defense. That's not very bad. That's, that's pretty good defense, especially when you're putting into account the offensive line and the, the talent at, at Nevada. Obviously, they have Romeo Dubs, who's a, a fantastic wide receiver. Cole Turner, who made a a nice catch at one moment when I was watching it. So Carson Strong to me had one of, if not the most impressive performance at the quarterback position in this year's class. We can talk about Malik Willis too. Really impressed with him, but uh, not buying as much in the Sam Howell because I think we expected this struggle early. Um, I want to see some progressions made as the season goes on, but Carson Strong definitely impressed in week one. Spencer Rattler worried me way more. Yes. Way more. And Sam Howell, and I will say this because oh, yeah. Sam, I mean, because Joe Sam Howell, like we knew that he had some shortcomings right. at skill position, like we knew this. Oklahoma returns two very, very you know, well-regarded offensive line prospects mm-hmm. in Tyrese Robinson and Marcus Haynes. Yeah. Obviously, they moved they moved Robinson out to right tackle, which is just bizarre. We can talk about that another time. But they bring back guys. At wide receiver, like Marvin Mims, like Theo Weiss. They have Mike Woods come in from Austin Arkansas, a talented player. Austin Stogner, a tight end. We got Eric Gray. We got Kennedy Brooks. Like, there's so talent. many good <laughs> everywhere. There's offensive talent, man. It's loaded. And then you're playing against a two lane team that's very underrated, by the way. Two lane is going to be a nine, 10 win team, I think, in their conference this year. Like, they are a good football team. But comparative to Oklahoma, they should not have been in this football game at the end. And they were because. And it's not all because of Spencer Rattler, because like their defense didn't play well either. But he is a second-year starting quarterback now in college football. And you are throwing late across the middle, seeing things – because where do interceptions happen? It's getting fooled across the middle of the field for the m- majority. I know he threw an interception where like it was two-man and he's trying to throw a goal ball for some reason. And you have a, a, a safety already on the hash and he's playing just to the sideline, which is, is not a good decision there. But a few of these throws to the middle of the field, behind him, in in bits, in really bad spots, have to you know cut off kind of the the momentum of the routes, and everything just looked very disjointed, and everything just did not look comfortable for a guy like Spencer Rattler, which is weird because he has everything going for him. He has 
this great supporting cast. And for whatever reason, it was very shaky in game one. Now, I'm sure he'll come back and he, you know, is under Lincoln Riley and he's got a lot of talent. So I'm sure he'll be fine. But this performance, just comparative to Sam Howe, even though Spencer Rattler is much more talented, this performance worried me way more than Sam Howell's did. See, that's that's pretty interesting. And I, I think that that's something to consider here when we're having this conversation. I, I like the way that you're you're going at that, Ryan, because we're, we're basically unpacking the fact that I think people who had the right outlook on Sam Howell maybe aren't as disappointed because they were somewhat expecting it circumstantially. Same thing kind of with Carson Strong. I think everyone who is aware of how good Carson Strong could be it's not super surprising to see him make these throws. It's impressive, but it's like we knew he was very highly capable and talented, and he's going to keep looking better and better as his schedule gets weaker and weaker for some of these games that he's going to play. But that's really interesting that we go about the angle here where maybe we should be more concerned about Spencer Rattler, who has everything going for him. It, it, it's really, really interesting to kind of take that perspective on the real quarterbacks that should be, you know, either impressed or surprisingly impressed or surprisingly uh, disappointed in. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you said it perfectly. And I will just say, I mean, Alex mentioned it a second ago, but like Carson Strong, a couple of these throws, the one down the left sideline was the best throw of the week. Like mm-hmm. this thing was on PFF a line. Got that right. Yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> PFF finally got something right. I mean, this ball was on a rope, 50 yards, like this, oh man, it was such a fantastic throw down, down the left sideline. And we even saw, I mean, I think that one kind of performance that was underrated for continuing to talk about quarterbacks is I thought, you know, Malik Willis played pretty well. I thought he showed a lot of good things, but a quarterback that I thought had a, had a very solid week and a lot better year, uh, week comparative to what he was last season. I thought Keaton Slovis played pretty well, man. I thought he had some good moments, which is nice to see. Cause again, we talked about the, the big, the big, uh, you know, window of outcomes for a guy like Slovis. 2019 is fantastic. 2020, he's beat up. It doesn't quite look the same. I thought he looked a lot closer to 2019 than 2020, which is good to see for this quarterback class because there is going to continue to be a lot of question marks. Well, and to kind of add to your point, if you want to just kind of talk about some quarterbacks that impressed, I know we're both low on them, but someone that had a good week was Desmond Ritter. Uh, he actually impressed me. Oh, I know. No. I, thought I thought I thought you were going to say Bo Nix. <laughs> no, well, he he actually played well too. But uh, but uh, yeah, no, Desmond Ritter. He was put hitting people in stride down the football field. Something we have not seen, and why we're both so, so low on him. So if that, I mean, I don't expect that to be something that we can bank on happening week in and week out. Um, but if he does, if he can put that together week in and week out, we may be a little low on Desmond Ritter. Yeah, now Desmond played well, man. He he did that one deep ball. Yeah. I think that one deep. I, I think that one deep ball was like slightly overrated by the media to to a degree because like the, the wide receiver is running post and he's mm. running across the field and he kind of threw it a little up the field. But like either way, it was a perfectly placed football for a touchdown in stride, so he didn't break stride. And I think that that was kind of one of the big misses for me on his tape was just deep ball accuracy. Like I felt like it was just very hit or miss. I well, think it, it was kind of a well, you just happened. Always, it had to happen yeah. to hit this week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he, he finally hit it, and, and I think that the processing was a little slow, obviously, in, in the last couple of years. And it was just kind of like one of those things where it was like a Kellen Mond thing, right? Like you just hadn't hit the next step. You hadn't taken the next yeah. step. You hadn't tr- ascended. I like the Kellen and Mond. looked like he did. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, I think Joe Marino from the Draft Network said that he has been working with Jordan Palmer, who obviously is renowned for his work with, um, with Josh Allen and his improvement in accuracy. So let's hope. It's one week, but it was definitely right. a good week for Desmond Ritter, for yep. sure. Are there any other guys that, that might have 
before we wrap up this quarterback discussion, were there any other guys that you kind of have to think about that their this first performance exposed or maybe highlighted some things? I think Malik Willis went pretty well. I mean, we didn't go super in depth. Um, you know, he does the things that we always see on tape, right? Like, mm-hmm. and he was playing against a not great football team. So, like, let's chill on it a second because last year for Liberty, I mean, the dude was just throwing the ball all over the yard and was running insane against the level of competition. And I know he had a pretty solid game against Virginia Tech, but like the game that really stuck out to me last year for him was NC State, where I I mean, it was one of the worst tapes I'd seen, man, just because like yeah. everything was just so – the easy things were just so difficult. If Malik Willis can make the easy things easy, then I'm in. I'm in. Like he could be a first-round player. Like it's possible because I think that the talent – I mean, the arm strength and the athleticism is easy to see. And he took a good step. I felt like he was a little more crisp. He, everything was – Everything just seemed a little more compact, and he was just a little more comfortable in the pocket. Yeah. So, good step from Malik Willis. We'll see if he keeps keeps it going. Yeah. Uh, one other that we can kind of talk about since he was in a big game, JT Daniels. I know we don't talk about him much because we don't think of him as a top five guy, top seven guy in this class even, but the offense just didn't do him any favors. This isn't like you would, you would expect to go in, you know, coming this spring and watch that JT Daniels tape against Clemson. That's going to be the best competition outside of the SEC championship and whatever happens postseason. But they yeah. just did not allow him to to let it loose. It was all side, you know, working, you know, at the at, at the line of scrimmage, a lot of, you know, flat routes, a lot of screens, a lot of short passes. So offense didn't really open up for him. This is tape, honestly, that I think, you can't really do anything with. There's not much to take from it from JT Daniels, which is kind of disappointing. I was hoping uh, to get to allow him to open up the offense more. And I know Clemson's got some great defenders. Andrew Booth played a phenomenal game where he yes, was he completely did. locked down and was. And you talk about those screen passes and such coming downhill. He's making some great plays at the line of scrimmage, tackling. So um, yeah, he, it's going to be taped. It's going to be hard to watch and, and really get anything of value out of for for the quarterback position in JT Daniels. In that game too, which was kind of interesting, is, is I I mean I expected it to be a little more of a low scoring affair. I did not expect ten to three though, like because like Clemson's defense is is good. Georgia's defense is fantastic. Like there is dudes everywhere. And the I mean I, I put a tweet out. It's like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter having those guys inside gives you numbers numbers um, advantages. I'm glad you're in on Jalen Carter. Only a sophomore, but oh, that dude's that, legit. That dude is nuts. But I was really disappointed. Relative to, to the, like, you know, just the expectation. DJ Uyunglele did not have a good game, man. Uh-huh. Like, he did not look good. And then we have, you know, early for the 2023. Obviously, we're not scouting those guys yet. But, like, Bryce Young looked fantastic for Alabama. And DJ Uyunglele did not. So, we're already seeing a little bit of, you know, discourse with the 2023 crew. But I was a little underwhelmed with just, just Clemson's uncom- offense in general, man. Yeah, like, he looked just, uncomfortable. Uh, I know we're we're keeping this quarterbacks, but like I'm like, you're running quarterback run game with DJ, who that's not his game to start with. You're you're running a lot of quick crossers and doing all this stuff. I'm like, he's a vertical based quarterback that needs a run game and is not a quarterback run guy. Like that's just not what he is. I think Clemson has a little bit of an issue right now because they have a young running back room that is very unproven. Their offensive line is not great. And they have a bunch of skyscrapers at receiver. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a trouble because I think that this offense right now is still built for Trevor Lawrence and still built for Deshaun Watson. And I don't know if it's built for DJ Uyunglele. So I'm interested to see if Clemson adopts a little bit of a different offensive approach because I think it's a little bit of a problem right now. Sorry, Joe. I, I know that had nothing to do with quarterbacks. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Well, it, it also had nothing to do with the 2022 class either, which yeah, we, we talk about whatever we feel like on this show. That was, that was Alex's <laughs> fault. That was yeah, Alex's it was. Fault. It was. I, I, well, <laughs> speaking of just random thoughts, I just want to throw this out before I hit the ad break and we and we do our guys that caught our eye. Um, I, I feel like this weekend was a lot of low-scoring games, and it's it's kind of funny. It's almost as if it's a an overcorrection from last year where during COVID, defenses were playing terribly, and the, like the one thing you just heard from everybody was – Oh, um, you know, like bet the bet the over. It's going to be a high scoring game, and there's going to be a lot of points because these defenses are struggling with COVID and stuff like that. And it's like the complete opposite now that we're kind of returning to more normalcy with with just football in general. All these defenses played really well. There was like I I can't remember the last time we saw like a ten to three game and like a big top matchup, and then a bunch of other games that were that low scoring. Like the the UNC Virginia Tech one, that one's also very very low Penn scoring. State Wisconsin was low scoring too. Yeah, and to make Notre Dame didn't play any defense, but yeah, <laughs> that's a separate issue. Uh, super quick, folks, I need to remind you about Play Action Pools. I uh, believe is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you an interactive and fun uh, way to follow the sport that we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com. And then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks uh, correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got a survivor, pick them, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Blackactionpools.com, your new home for your office sports pools. All right, guys. Uh, to wrap up today's show, I think a fun way to go about doing this during the season is just a guys who caught our eye, guys who just watching games, you're like, oh, I need to you know, make note of him. I need to go back and watch him more in depth just because he looked really good. So... Uh, Ryan, let's go to you first, just because you have only one guy. I'm sure you'll still manage to find a way to bring up four, but <laughs> who's the one guy that just really stood out to you? Well, the one guy that I put down, because I, you know, you guys know that I love kind of just backstories a little bit. So before COVID hit, San Diego, the Torero, Toreros, I think is is their mascot. Torios. Torios. Okay, my bad, my bad. Something like that. Yeah, San Diego Torios. What's the What's the San Diego? Uh, my friend went to San Diego. What's the mascot? Toreros. Toreros. I was right. I got it. <laughs> okay, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, so he's an all-American. So they have a tight end named Dalton Kincaid. They had a tight end named Dalton Kincaid that was a all-American. Um, 2019, he had 44 receptions for over 800 yards. So he was a downfield athletic tight end. And of course, COVID hit, which gave a lot of guys an option to transfer. So he decided to transfer to Utah. So he transferred up. And in 2020, he barely played. Like, he had only one catch on the season. And it, we, we know that there was, like, no offseason. The Pac-12 was a mess. So, like, transfer uh, transferring to the Pac-12 in 2020 was just at a very huge disadvantage. Well, this year now, he is fully in the rotation with, you know, I know they have Brant Keith, I think is how you pronounce, Kuth, the tight end, who's a little bit of a smaller guy. They have Cole Fotherington, I believe, is the other tight end. I might be completely misremembering his last name. But Dalton Kincaid, in their first game against Weber State, who is a very good FCS team, has four receptions for 75 yards and two touchdowns. 
which led the team in both receiving yards and receiving touchdowns during that, during that, I think it was like 40 to 17 defeat over Weber state somewhere in that ballpark. And this kid, I think is going to really rise. Cause I don't, I think people forget, cause I think he had some draftable grades in the preseason, like seventh round draftable grades from Blesto and NFS. So the NFL knows about Dalton Kincaid, but I think it's going to be a huge year for him because I think there's going to be a guys that have the attention that, you know, like guys like Brandt, who is also in the tight end room. And I think that Dalton is going to be able to really take a hold in the, in day three of this class, because I think people are going to start to remember that he was a downfield athletic tight end at San Diego. And now he's at Utah playing Pac-12 football. And I think that he is going to have a really nice year. And then I quickly wanted to mention, I'm not going to go to four here, Joe, but <laughs> shout out, man, to a very frustrating game as a Notre Dame fan last night. Kyle Hamilton, for me, cemented everything I had been saying about him in the preseason. Everybody knew he was special. Everybody knew he's a first rounder, except for Booger McFarland, apparently, who's like, oh, first round, locking in. I'm like, it's been locked in for, for several months, Booger. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But so, I mean, we, <laughs> we talk about the rareness of the player. You know, we talk about the rareness of the ability to play on the third and second level. And a couple of these interceptions were fantastic, but the one specifically, the second one, man, mm-hmm. he is on the far hash to the field and he works completely across field to the opposite sideline for the interception. And the range that he had at 6'4", 220 is it's, it's insane, man. Like I, I know that we're always going to talk about like, Hey, don't, you know, don't get caught in the moments, settle down for a second, but that performance, that range that he showed, I'm willing to say right now that he's the best safety to come out in several years, like better prospect than Jamal Adams was. So if we're talking Jamal Adams, top 10, we should be talking about him top five easy. And for me, I entered the the season here with Kyle Hamilton as my top graded player overall in the 2022 class. And I feel like this game kind of solidified that for me a little bit as far as like the preseason evaluation. We'll see how the rest of the season goes for him. We'll see how other guys improve. Other guys, you know, take a step back, all that good stuff. But right now, I feel very good about my evaluation of Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, the early favors for that player one are Kyle Hamilton, Kayvon Thibodeau, and, and Derek Stingley, would you say? Is there anyone else that kind of nah, isn't that I, I would say, here early yeah. on? Yeah, yeah, Stingley's struggled a little bit. But, yeah, yeah. I would say that that the, the top is definitely – because it's a weaker offensive class. So right. It's going to be it one is. of those defensive players. Yeah. So, I mean, Kayvon had a great game, got hurt. So, we'll see what happens with yeah, Kayvon. Yeah, he's yeah. in the boot now. But, uh, yeah, Stingley, like you said, struggled. I think I think out of the top three, those that are competing for that top spot as far as the most talented player, obviously quarterback's going to have a different valuation. Uh, but from an evaluation standpoint, I think Kyle Hamilton definitely had the best performance. So your guys though, Alex, you you have, you're the <laughs> yeah. you're the clown over here that has, cool. has oh no you had four written down wow you, you called you a clown you called you a clown Alex <laughs> listen I told you I wasn't going to talk about all of them I just wanted to have options I kind of I kind of wish you you came in with five and tried to outdo I, maybe the goalie tree should be who can have the most guys and fit them into a one well, don't challenge Ryan he's going to figure it out <laughs> Ryan's going to have a list Ryan of can go down a tangent them in a, one one long run on sentence with twenty guys <laughs> you, guys need, you guys need to chill man nothing happens <laughs> all right well my first guy I'm gonna go one offense one defense how about that. 
I'm going to go one offense. It's, it's the transfer. I've talked about him some. The running back transfer from Wake Forest to Michigan State. And his first game as a Michigan State Spartan puts up against Northwestern, a talented defense. We didn't talk, we haven't talked about Brandon Joseph. He kind of had a, a quiet game in his, in his first outing in 2021. But there's some talent on that Northwestern defense. 23 carries, 264 rushing yards, and four touchdowns. Did Just yeah? Stupid. I mean, he had. I mean, if we wanted to do stat sheet stuffers, I know we did that last year. This is this is an early favorite for week one. Um, this guy just looked you know, the first run of the game, seventy-five yard touchdown. Just broke it outside, good vision to hit the outside hole, um, and just took it. I mean, he has the burst, and this is something I talked about. You know, over the summer, he really just for me checks all the boxes, and that's that's the best way to describe him. He has long speed, as you saw in that long uh, touchdown run. He has the burst to get up and go. He has great vision, you saw in his second touchdown run. Uh, this guy just, he, he really, really kind of has it all uh, when it comes to his rushing ability. He didn't get any work in the passing game, but he's, he's had some work in, in years past at Wake Forest in the passing game, so I'm not worried about his his ability to catch the ball in the backfield and be that threat in the passing game because he, he's shown it before. But this game didn't quite uh, get that workload. But, I mean, this is someone that I was high on coming into the year. I was I was wary of his situation going into Michigan State. I know they brought in a couple transfer running backs, if memory serves. Uh, so I didn't know exactly what his role was going to look like. But he came in and he was the lead dog. And they talked about it on the broadcast some. They talked about how he earned his – his spot to be the workhorse at Michigan State, which makes me feel good because I think I think I see a lot of what uh, I guess Michigan State's coaching staff saw, and that's someone that can carry the load and can do it at a at a high volume and, and play really successful uh, in that way. So Kenneth Walker, someone that really stood out week one, someone I'm excited uh, stood out so well. But another one we haven't talked too much. There's not too much to talk about in this game because it was so such low scoring. I know we talked about Georgia and Clemson being so low scoring, but. Ryan, you talked about dudes all over the defense for Georgia, and, and that's why they held DJ Uyunglele and this defense to, or this this Clemson offense to three points. Much of that is is Nicobe Dean in the middle. I mean, he kind of. I was a big fan of Monty Rice coming out last year, who kind of was was that that second level defender that had some talk about him. But Nicobe Dean, a lot of times throughout last year, outplayed him in a lot of ways, and. And he really solidified himself as the leader of this defense with Richard LeCount gone, who was the former leader of the defense, the guy that's talking, that pointing people in different directions to Kobe Dean, super smart football player, instinctual. And I think his his best play this past week was as a blitzer. I mean, he was giving DJ Uyunglele the the spooks. I mean, he was spooking him. I, he was he was blitzing. <laughs> he was blitzing through. What? Hey, we got to throw out some new phrases every once in a while, lighten it up. But yeah, listen through the A gap. This guy, yeah, I did, I did. I, I couldn't think of the right terms. I was like, yeah, the spooks. Um, but <laughs> he, he was, he had. I can't give. I don't even know what the right term uh, for that would have been. He's but yips. I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, he yips. just. Yips. Yeah, he was constantly thinking about Nakobe Dean coming up through the A gap. I mean, Nakobe Dean was just fearless through uh, the interior offensive line and. I think that's going to be a question mark for Clemson moving forward is their offensive line and how well they're able to hold up, hold up against talented pass rushers. And Georgia has a, a boatload of them. So that's where you saw a lot of the struggles with Clemson's offense and N'Kobe Dean's much of the reason. So impressive game for N'Kobe Dean. Someone I didn't have in my top five, but was in that six through eight range at the linebacker position coming into the season. This is someone that if he takes over this new prominent role in the Georgia defense and the Georgia defense continues to play like this, it's going to be much to do about N'Kobe Dean. Can I talk about Nicobe Dean for a second, Joe? Do we have time? 
Yes, you have permission. Okay, um, I think that a lot of uh, th- something that people didn't talk about much with Monty Rice was the fact that Monty Rice lost the starting job down the yep. stretch because mm-hmm. of Nicobe Dean last year. And I really like Nicobe Dean a lot too, man. I actually got to him a little late, but number seventeen, man, he he has some great instincts. He reminds me of Nick Bolton from last year out of Missouri. Like I feel like stylistically they are pretty similar. And that second level is really talented. I, I mentioned Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. They let athletes on the second level just run. I don't. I didn't know who Channing Tindall was until well, he, he made won. that one play. <laughs> working in the sideline. Sheesh, man, that boy can run. So, I mean, Georgia, as always, has great defenders. I don't know what they quite have on the back end beside Lewisine, but they certainly have dudes in the front seven that are Darion Kendrick. He got the. He got the. Oh, he was considered a first round, <laughs> first rounder by some. By who? I don't know. There are some people out there. Uh, all right, go. I'll on. go find. I'll send it to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up the show, folks. Thanks for tuning in. As always, follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Gilstrap, at Rise and Draft, uh, and also NFL Prospects Pod on Twitter. Also head to RiseandDraft.com, Rise, the letter N, Draft.com. Uh, be also sure to follow Believe Podcast at BLEAV Podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week and stay tuned for some fantastic interviews. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.